It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is Thursday, February 17th, 2022. We nailed it. Yet another coaching hire came through yesterday in the afternoon, this time a defensive backs coach who, Dolphins fans, I'd expect you'll be fairly familiar with if you were born uh, prior to the year 2010. And uh, we're going to be looking at the offensive line today, looking at the team's performance on the offensive line and projecting which players we feel like have the best chance to continue pressing forward under coach Mike McDaniel's expected new offensive scheme. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tap in, Dolphins fans. What's going on? This is Tom Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm the director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan and uh, really excited to get into some big uglies today on the show. Talk about the Dolphins hiring, reported hiring of Sam Madison as the defensive backs, uh, passing co- defensive passing coordinator. And uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day or watch if you're watching on the YouTube channel, in which case I would say welcome, uh, Locked On Dolphins. So we try and drop as many as we can uh, there throughout the course of the week. We got power to the pod tomorrow, so make sure you guys plan accordingly. This is probably going to stream tonight after dinner on the YouTube channel uh, for some live interaction and uh, looking forward to that as well. So let's start with former Miami Dolphins cornerback Sam Madison Jr. coming home. And I said yesterday, you know, we've had a string of like four straight days where um, I've recorded a show and within four hours, like an interesting hire was made. Let's see who they hire on Wednesday. And sure enough, Sam Madison, according to Charles, uh, to to Adam Schefter of ESPN, Sam Madison is coming home as a pass game specialist and cornerbacks coach. Miami's hiring former Dolphins legend Sam Madison as its cornerbacks slash pass game specialist per source. Madison, a four-time Pro Bowl selection with the Dolphins from 97 to 2005. 
spent the last three seasons coaching the Chiefs secondary and cornerbacks. This is all part of Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel putting the finishing touches on his staff with cornerbacks coach Charles Burks departing for a similar role in Cincinnati. Thus, the spot and need for Madison. So, Gerald Alexander and Charles Burks, two of the defensive coaches on staff that were very well regarded uh, despite being young coaches and young up-and-comers. Losing them both kind of stinks. But I I think the writing was kind of on the wall here for both guys when when Charles Alexander or when, when Gerald Alexander was as vocal in his support of Brian Flores as he was. And uh, Charles Burks was somebody who came up from the college ranks and Brian Flores kind of hand plucked. So not surprising to see him go either. But if you were going to replace your two most highly regarded young defensive assistant coaches, replacing them with one of the team's uh, absolute best corners who it, has a background in coaching. There's not, they're not, it's not like they just called up Sam Madison. It was like, yo, what are you doing these days? You got any free time? You, you want to come coach corners for us? No, he's been coaching in Kansas City for a championship program uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think what's important to note about Sam Madison coming over from Kansas City and what he's done in Kansas City is if you reflect on not just the veteran players that are on this on in that secondary, but uh, some of the young players that have developed as primary players in that secondary, the Chiefs have shown some promising growth with young talent in the secondary. Uh, Legarius Sneed was a fourth-round pick in 2020, and he was very good uh, for, for Kansas City. And anytime you get a fourth-round pick, a toolsy kid from a smaller-level school, that should be considered a win. Javarius Ward played significant time for them. Rashad Fenton, a sixth-round pick in 2019. I mean, this is not like he's rolling out here with Sam Madison and and Patrick Sertain, or he's not rolling out here with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And yet, the guys in the secondary, especially when the second half of the season this year for Kansas City, but LeJarrius Sneed was good as a rookie, too, in 2020. Um, you, you see the work that's been done there with that group, and you feel pretty good about that group's ability to continue to grow and evolve and expand upon some of the, the talent that exists already and continue to become better football players. Now, whether or not Xavier Howard is a long-term piece of the puzzle is a question the Dolphins are going to have, have to ask themselves once again this offseason, right? Guy wants another contract restructure. Uh, I would expect that potentially to come to a head sooner rather than later. The Dolphins apparently, at the end of the summer when they ended Xavier Howard's contract holdout, were targeting the start of the calendar year, the league calendar year, which is mid-March, to figure something out and get something done. They have the money to do it. 
it's a question of, okay, now what does it look like if you want to do it? Or if you don't want to do it, who do you have that you're planning on bringing in to replace him? I don't think we can count on Noeg Benogany, right? I, don't, I think we can all agree that Noeg Benogany at this point, we're probably considering largely to be sunk cost barring uh, a dramatic breakout or barring a transition to safety. Nick Needham is another guy they'll need to decide if they want to uh, bring back. I believe he's a restricted free agent. They could tender him. It would just be a couple of million dollars. I think you could get him for less than $3 million. Uh, second round tag if you wanted to go put a tender on him, protect him, and, and bring him back for one more year. Um, so as you, you kind of look at the landscape, and Miami's in flux here, obviously Justin Coleman, uh, a Patriots background guy. Uh, they are retaining the same system. But whether or not that means that's a player that they're going to prioritize and make sure they bring back is a different story. So Miami's got some personnel decisions back there to make. Uh, but at the very least, you've got a guy coaching the group now in Sam Madison, who is a going to be in the good graces of Dolphins fans, whether it's fair or not, because of what he did as a player here. But you also have a guy who has shown a track record of in recent years during the three years he's been coaching in Kansas City, working with young talent and getting production out of them. So hard not to like that hire, considering that's one of the guys whose jerseys used to hang up on the wall when I was a kid. Football season may be over, but Bet Online has you covered in all other sports. For all your betting needs, basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. But it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right down to Olympic coverage. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Please forgive my, for those of you on the YouTube stream, corny coffee mug this morning. Uh, but please do not excuse me for repping Bobby Hunt today on the uh, offensive line assessment review. So, this is going to get a little ugly, so strap in. We are going to talk about the offensive line in its entirety. And um, I guess the first place we'll start is pass protection, because I want to get the hard part out of the way. We were atrocious in pass protection. Absolutely atrocious. The left side of this offensive line was offensively bad. Liam Eikenberg was credited with 62 pressures this season on 655 opportunities in pass pro. He logged five penalties. He was credited with giving up nine sacks from our friends over at Pro Football Focus. Rookie player, not time to pull the ripcord yet. Valuable playing experience. But now how he pivots off of that, whether that's a position change to guard, 
whether that is moving to right tackle, whether that's figuring out left tackle, I don't know. But this was not the expectation based on Liam Eichenberg as a player at Notre Dame. This was a very high floor player coming out of Notre Dame who showcased a lot of football intelligence, a lot of polish as a player. And I thought you see a lot of his fundamentals break down throughout the course of the season this year in stretches. But nine sacks allowed, 45 hurries, eight quarterback hits for a total of 62 pressures. On 704 passing plays, 655 um, opportunities in, in pass pro. Jesse Davis, the other offensive tackle. 644 opportunities in pass pro. He had 692 snaps on defense. He conceded eight sacks, 10 hits, 39 hurries, a total of 57 pressures. Second most on the team. One of the highest marks in the NFL, along with Liam Eichenberg. If only anybody could have possibly seen this coming besides everyone other than the Dolphin staff. If only, because this is who Jesse Davis has been. Austin Jackson played 16 games, missed week one. Well, he played week one, but he played special teams on week one. 657 opportunities in pass pro, 708 snaps taken as a pass blocker. Uh, Jesse Davis, by the way, two penalties for him on the season. Austin Jackson had five penalties, tied with Lee Meikenberg. Austin was credited with two sacks, six hits, and 41 hurries for a total of 49 pressures across 16 games, one less game than the rest of the gang thus far. So that's that left side of the offensive line has given up 111 pressures on the season. And an offense that really didn't do a lot of traditional drop back passing and did a lot of RPO stuff in an effort to kind of circumvent the issues on the offensive line. Bobby Hunt, uh, most snaps of anybody on the team on passing plays, 740. He was credited with three penalties on the year. He had 688 opportunities in pass protection. Uh, he was credited with two sacks, three hits, and 26 hurries for a total of 31 pressures. Now, I would say this for Robert Hunt. From week 11 on, so Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Saints, Titans, Patriots. He conceded five pressures across that stretch. If you take it back to week eight, Buffalo, Houston, Baltimore, Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Saints, Titans, Patriots. Not a math guy. 13 pressures across 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games. 13 pressures across his last 10 games. This is a player who graded out very favorably in metrics. Uh, the Ravens game was a tough one for him. It was uh, of the 13 pressures in the final eight games, half of them came in Balt against Baltimore. But he had a sick-ass touchdown. 
so I don't care. Um, <laughs> let, let, let me finish. Uh, I'll do Michael Dieter uh, because he obviously played an abbreviated sample size. Uh, but the pass blocking efficiency of all the players we've discussed, um, of all the offensive linemen on the team, that played any level of significant reps. And that includes Robert Jones got 34 snaps. Uh, Greg Mann's got 142 snaps. Solomon Kinley got 86 snaps. This is all in pass uh, passing situations. No player on the team had a better pass blocking efficiency than Michael Dieter. Dieter was credited with two penalties on 335 passing snaps. 313 actual opportunities to take pass sets uh, was credited with one sack, two hits, seven hurries for a total of 10 pressures across eight games. So if you extrapolate that out, um, he'd have been the best of the starting five based on the pace that he put on, on display um, by a comfortable margin by probably 10, 10 to 12 pressures versus the next best option. So, disastrous group, right? Greg Mann's uh, 142 passing snaps, five pressures allowed. Uh, that pass blocking efficiency was uh, right in line with what Robert Hunt gave you for the full season. Robert Jones, 34 passing attempts. Gave up three pressures and 34 passing attempts. Kind of knew that was going to be the case, though, a guy who was that inexperienced. When you think about from a passing game perspective, I think this is the most logical way to, to split this up. When you think about this from a passing game perspective, this upcoming offense that we are expecting to see the Dolphins run a significant amount of, uh, the San Francisco style from a passing attack perspective. Um, it is another group, an ideology that implements a lot of quick passing to get the ball out of your hands quickly. It involves some different dynamics. It involves more under center. It involves... Uh, the Dolphins were very play-action heavy, but it involves more traditional back-to-the-defense play-action passing. Jimmy Garoppolo last year had the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th quickest trigger in football as far as from snap to release of the ball, 2.67 seconds. As a point of reference, one of the names in front of him was Tyler Huntley, uh, who was a backup. In Baltimore, only had 188 pass attempts on the year. Andy Dalton in Chicago was another backup player. Uh, 236 pass attempts. So of full-time starters, it was Ben Roethlisberger in a league of his own because that was how they had to play offense because Ben gave you nothing anywhere else. Then it was Tom Brady because Tom Brady was as efficient in pre-snap as any quarterback we've ever seen in understanding where he's supposed to go with the ball. So he's so frequently right in diagnosing coverage. The ball can just come out of his hands to a tongue of Aloha, quarterback who played in a scheme that was predicated on a lot of RPO style passing, which 
know, because you're blocking run, you know, you don't get an opportunity to push the ball down the field a lot. Those are by design, quick hitting throws, Aaron Rodgers, and then Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy was right on Aaron's heels. So you can expect a lot of the same stuff uh, from a depth of target perspective to a tongue of Aloha. His average intended air yards for the season was seven yards. Jimmy Garoppolo was 7.4. So it's not as though you're in this dramatic, and as a point of reference, like this spectrum, Russell Wilson's average intended air yards from his release point to his target for the season was 10 yards, 9.9. Lamar, 9.6. Justin Fields, 9.5. Jalen Hurts and Jameis Winston, 9. On the bottom end of that spectrum, Jared Goff, 6.5. Ben Roethlisberger, 6.7. Tua Tungvaloa, 7. Andy Dalton, Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, 7.2. Pat Mahomes, 7.3. And then Jimmy Garoppolo in that 7.4 group which also featured Jacoby Brissett. So Miami and San Francisco's offenses last year, both were in the same ballpark as far as time holding the ball and depth of target. Now, the designs are going to look different. There's going to be different backfield structures, which is probably presumably more two-back. You're going to be more under center instead of more in the pistol. Now, I would not be surprised at all if they come out with some hybrid or they end up tweaking it based on what Tua shows that he's comfortable with in the offseason. But as an offensive group up front, the offensive line, because that's what this conversation is supposed to be about, you are going to have the opportunity to continue to, by design, not hold the ball for three seconds and have an added bonus of doing more moving of the pocket, which should help Tua, and it should help this offensive line. Now, you need sturdy offensive tackle play, and we know that. I don't think Liam Eikenberg, as the player he was last year, and Jesse Davis on the other side, like those are unacceptable answers for who's going to play offensive tackle for you. On the inside, um, I am interested in the potential of Austin Jackson, uh, but he's always going to just be interesting until he shows that he's grown as a player. And uh, I I think you could, depending on investment opportunities, run it back with Michael Dieter and Robert Hunt at center and, and right guard. If you bring in a new center, I wouldn't be averse to playing Michael Dieter at left guard. I think he's fluid enough to do it. Uh, I think he's he's played left guard for a season, and he's shown growth since that season at left guard by playing a more challenging spot at center and playing reasonably well for the eight games that he played this year. I would not, however, put all my eggs in that basket and not have a young 30-something player as a backup on the roster who's capable of taking those plays. I think that's an important distinguishment to make. So looking forward to the run game, the Dolphins were a team that ran a fair amount 
of gap power. Robert Hunt was credited with blocking on gap concepts uh, 202 times. That's the high water mark. Uh, from a zone blocking perspective, Robert Hunt was credited with blocking 167 uh, zone concepts. So the skew was more towards gap power. That's going to change. Um, but as I think you assess this group and the strengths and weaknesses, what makes a good wide zone offensive lineman? Uh, you need to win in a couple of different ways. You need to win with lateral mobility to be able to, if I'm the, let's call me the right guard. Let's say I'm Robert Hunt and we're going to run wide zone to the left, outside to the left. And we're facing an even front team. That means I'm probably going to get a defensive tackle shaded on the near side eye of the center. In a one alignment, a one technique. From that wide zone perspective, that center is going to give me a little help. But my expectation is that I am going to step and flow along with the rest of the offensive line. But I'm eventually going to be able to rip underneath and work my way over top and seal that backside defender. Seal that one technique, despite the fact that he is aligned up and out leveraging me in the gap. You got to win with lateral mobility. You got to win with hand technique. You can't be grabby. You got to be able to latch, work, reestablish, and then and then maintain your your fit with your hands. If you're going to run a lot of wide slash outside zone, inside zone is a little more simple. Um, you know, you you got kind of identify where you're landmarks are what your your ideal um stepping point is and then you let whatever penetration or color shows in front of your face and then you you just use that it's momentum against them and get them out of the way right but everybody's kind of stepping in unison uh anticipating a certain flow so i look at the offensive lineman that we have in that regard and it's it's easy to strike Jesse Davis off the books because I don't think he's good with his hands. Um, he's not somebody who I would, would anticipate is going to be able to transition and successfully maintain those blocks. I mean, there were plays with Jesse last year where he's not even using his hands at all. He's kind of just ghosting and coveting real estate. But it's he, when you get second-level flow that's shooting down in front of your face and getting into the backfield because you're not – closing down those angles and you're not utilizing your length to force them to run around you, you're missing an opportunity. So we're going to strike Jesse off the list. Uh, Liam, I think this is where his, his experiences and his potential to fit at guard makes more sense uh, as he's somebody who doesn't have great length. So playing that on the perimeter might be a challenge for him. Uh, but if you put him in more closed quarters, I think that there's a reasonable chance that Liam can be an impactful player for you in that regard. I'm not concerned about Robert Hunt. I think Robert Hunt has the ability, you know, his biggest issues were in pass protection on the outside. Well, now he's inside. Not really concerned about it. Austin Jackson, he's going to need a lot of growth. He's going to need fundamental advancements and he's going to need instinctual 
growth as a player to see, anticipate, and understand defensive flow and understand that my landmarks are going to move. Um, and that, that can be easier said than done, but he's a player going into year three. So for him, it's kind of now or never. So it's all the usual suspects. It's all the same players that we are used to having this conversation with and used to discussing um, could fit and make sense. Uh, or are you just going to draft BPA and allow that to throw a stone and shake up some of your established players a la Michael Beater? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation on Sam Madison and the offensive line. We've got power to the pot, and then next week we're doing the defensive side of the football, uh, which should be a little bit more straightforward since we're expecting the scheme to stay exactly the same because you brought back Josh Boyer. So. Uh, Kyle Krabs, thanks as always for checking out Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make it a good Thursday. Talk with you guys tonight if you're on the live stream. And if not, I'll talk to you in the podcast feed tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.